0: there and welcome to Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. I'm Debbie Giorgiani, and I kind of a little bit misspoke yesterday. I thought Jerry was going to be back today. He's actually going to be back tomorrow, but we have a special guest uh, that is uh, with us today and we're very excited. We are live today. We're getting a lot of comments from our Take Two family. Are you live today or recorded? We are live, so we expect your calls today. And we're talking about uh, a very important topic, the Source and Summit of our faith, the Eucharist, and we're talking about transubstantiation today. Big word, a lot of syllables in that word, transubstantiation. We're talking about that today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. We do have a special guest that I will introduce in just a moment, but I want to give you a little bit of housekeeping, and that is that we have Charles Beery on the phones today. I know everybody was talking about Matt Gabinski and how wonderful he is. Well, Charles is fantastic, okay? He's great too. So when you call in, please say hi to Charles. We have Ace McKay at the at the controls. He always does a fine job. Rich Jesse is on social media, and so he's monitoring your comments there. So if you have any comments about the Eucharist, transubstantiation, the understanding of the Eucharist, anything about that, the real presence of Jesus in the, in the Most Holy Eucharist, please uh, put your comments on social media. I know the chats are already getting started, and you guys have us up on video or I should say me on video because Jerry will be back tomorrow. I did get confirmation on that. He will be back tomorrow, Um, but I'm waving to you. So here is the number if you'd like to weigh in on this topic today. Very important topic. Uh, We already know that this particular episode is probably going to be shared far and wide on social media with our friends and family members. So here is the number if you'd like to call in 833 288 Three nine eight six eight three three two eight eight. 3986. And let me welcome our very special guest to the program. And, and let me give you a kind of a background uh, for the Take Two family. Those, uh, those of you that have been traveling with us for eight plus years, you know that Jerry and I uh, host pledge drives around the country for ver- for different affiliates. Um, and we're, we love that work because to help raise money for Catholic Radio is very, very important. And when you raise money for Catholic Radio, you're part of the evangelization Effort. Okay, so when you give your hard-earned money, you're helping to reach other souls to get closer to God. And that's important. That's what that's what we're supposed to do by our baptism. And in the course of doing pledge drive work, I have, um, many years ago, I met an incredible pastor and priest who's also, I think he's, he's fabulous on radio. He is the uh, chaplain for the uh, fire and police in Cleveland, Ohio. He's also the pastor of a very big parish, Mary Queen of Peace in Cleveland. And he's also the chaplain and radio host for AM 1260, The Rock. And so Father Brown, Father Doug Brown, um, We have had many uh, times hosting together for Pledge Drives, and we've also had off-air conversations about the faith and about the Eucharist. And so Father has agreed to come on the show today and to talk about what it means for us as Catholic Christians. How do we receive the Eucharist? How do we understand the Eucharist? How do we explain the Eucharist to others? This big word, transubstantiation, what does it mean? How do we communicate it to our friends and family members who have possibly walked away from the, the faith and rejected uh, the understanding of it? So with that, I want to introduce uh, the one, the only, and I think amazing, Father Doug Brown. Father, thank you so much for being with us on Take Two.
1: Wow, what, what an intro. I'm very, <laughs> very, very humbled by your intro, I always tell you, Debbie, keep me humble, right?
0: <laughs> that's right, Father, that's right. But Father, you are a pastor of a big parish, okay? You're, you, we're in the middle of the Eucharistic revival, okay, at the parish level. You know, we're going to address, uh, you know, what the Catechism says about transubstantiation, the Eucharist, what what does um, St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologiae has said about and the development of the theology of of, uh. uh The Eucharist. But Father, let's face it, we have, you know, we have all this research coming out that people are actually, you know, not believing, doubting, and walking away. What tell us before we go to the first break, which is in a couple, just a couple minutes, we already have calls coming in. Folks, if you'd like to join this very important conversation and speak with uh, Father Brown, please call in right now 833 288. Three nine eight six, and you don't have to be Catholic to call in. We need to hear from you because this is important—an important topic that we're addressing today. But Father, real quickly before we hit the first the first pause button, what do you say to people? I mean, people are walking away. What's the first thing you say as pastor?
1: I I don't understand how people could walk away because it, you know, as the as Jesus said to the apostles, "Will you two leave me?" and and they said. How could we? You have the words of everlasting life. And it's not just the words of Jesus, but it's also the gift that he gives to us in his body and blood, soul and divinity. And that is a, a gift that he provides to us to help us get to heaven, to help our souls grow in sanctity. What a beautiful gift that he gives to us. And, and we really don't have to pay anything for it, Debbie. We just we just have to gratefully accept it and certainly meet the conditions to to be properly disposed for Holy Communion.
2: Right.
0: Well, and we've heard a lot of arguments against the Eucharist. And so I'm going to present some of those just so that our listeners can take some necessary information so we can communicate to our friends and family members that have, you know, kind of rejected this this type of understanding. Um, they have walked away, they have, um, you know, doubted, or they have, you know, it, it had some dry periods in their, in their spiritual life, right? right where where they're saying well i'm not sure what i believe so hopefully this particular episode can help them to have these conversations, let's face it, Father Brown, we have the holidays right around the corner. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. We've got Christmas, and we're going to be getting together with our friends and family members. So we need to listen to this and see if we can use it with with the ones that we love most. So folks, please, this is the time. You've got Father Brown with us uh, the entire hour. We're very excited. He's a very busy pastor, um, but he has made time for us, and it's important that we uh, utilize that time uh, to the best of our ability and and walk away a little bit changed with a better understanding about the Most Holy Eucharist. We're talking about transubstantiation today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Only you just have me today and you have Father Brown. So call in 833-288-3986. And when we come back, we'll get to the phones, but we'll talk more with Father Brown about how to communicate this amazing source and summit of our faith with our friends. talking about the Eucharist today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, only it's just Debbie today, but I have a great guest, Father Doug Brown, so you want to call in. And just a quick shout out to Sue. I believe Sue is in Austin, Texas. Sue, if you're listening, please call back. Accidentally, you got dropped uh, from the lineup here of calls, and we're holding a place for you. So if you're listening, Sue, call us back at 833 288 3986. That's the number to call. You can also go on social media, make your comment there. You can always email us at take two at EWTN.com. So, so there's many ways to get in touch with us, but we're going to talk more with uh, father Brown. And I just want to share father. uh, um, We share things with our listeners because we want them to mark them and highlight them because they're very important. And EWTN has you know, so many ways to keep us up to date with things that are going on, and 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 products that are out there, and books and things, and it's just fabulous. So this is another uh, series that I want to talk about. It's the EWTN online learning series in his sandals. Discover the beauty, truth, and goodness of the church. With the EWTN online learning series, you can delve into the riches of the faith and grow closer to the Lord with free videos and study guides. EWTN invites you to be still and sit with the Lord through In His Sandals, our online video reflections with EWTN Chaplain Father Joseph Mary Wolfe. Enroll in our courses today at learningseries.ewtn.com. Okay, just beautiful learning series of Father Joseph Mary Wolf is amazing. I'm just saying. Okay, so um, let's, Father, let's talk a little bit more about. Um, the Catechism, and let me, before we get to the phones, I'm gonna kind of stall a little bit so Sue has one more chance to call back. Sue and the others, come on, you guys, 833 288 3986. That's the number to call. You don't have to be Catholic to call in. Um, Father, in the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, um, the Mass, uh, Paragraphs thirteen forty five and and going forward, also the Eucharist starting at paragraph fourteen oh two, but at fourteen thirteen, paragraph fourteen thirteen in the catechism of the Catholic Church, Father, it says by the consecration, the transubstantiation of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is brought about. Under the consecrated species of bread and wine, Christ Himself, living and glorious, is present in a true real and substantial manner, his body and his blood, with his soul and his divinity. Now, Father, that's very direct statement. It's a very direct, you know, um, you know declaration of, of, of what it means, right, of, the, of transubstantiation. That all sounds good in the catechism, but if we were to read that to our friends and family members, they'd be like, okay, that's what you believe, that's not what I believe. What do you say to that, Father? Father?
1: Well, you're exactly you're exactly right, Debbie. Is that it's it's it makes sense to us. It's a great statement of our belief. It is a dogma of our faith. We have to believe that in order to be Catholic. I mean, that's how important the concept of transubstantiation is. But but for those, sometimes we have to to, to model our words to break our words down into more of a relatable means. Sometimes you know the word even tra- transubstantiation is 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 a huge word, and that. That word loses people uh, from, the, from the get-go. So we want to be able to speak to them about it in a way where we simply put it that this is the body and blood, the real presence of Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity. We believe that Jesus is present in the smallest crumb of each host, in every drop of the precious blood. That's why when a host falls to the ground, we should do you know our utmost to clean that spot up very carefully and then rinse out—usually I use a purificator—rinse uh, it out in the aquarium as soon as possible. And this aquarium, of course, is that mm-hmm. special sink in the mm-hmm. sacristy with a pipe that goes down to the ground. Right. But that's how we need to treat this. We need to treat the Eucharist as, as, as it truly is Jesus, because it is.
0: Yeah. So what happens father when people, you know, make fun of it? They think we're, you know, way off base. They they think what's the matter with these Catholics? They actually believe that? I mean, you know, I've I've heard everything going out there in in communities. I and people have said the 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 craziest things to me and they 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 feel justified in their in their um responses and I'm like, "Wow, that's so disrespectful." What do you say to that, father? Cuz I'm sure you hear it.
1: I I do. Nothing irritates me more than to hear someone refer to the sacred host as a cracker or a wafer or a cookie or something along those lines. Those are derogatory terms, and those are words that, that if we hear them, we need to immediately correct that person and say, you know, that's very offensive, that is our Lord you're talking about. And it, the host is a sacred host. Once it becomes Jesus through the words of consecration, that host, then, now we believe is, is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There have been numerous stories throughout the ages of people who have witnessed Eucharistic miracles, bleeding hosts, priests who have been struggling with their own faith, look down, and during the Mass, after the consecration, they don't see a host there. They see a piece of Jesus' flesh. Those things have really happened. They are documented proof of these miracles, and, and I guess... I I sometimes get a little frustrated because I want to say, what more evidence do you need? Right, Debbie? What more do you need? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and you know, we know Blessed Carlo Acutis, he put together the uh, over 130 Eucharistic miracle, um, the exhibit that is going around the whole entire world, plus the Marian apparitions. And so you have these documented scientific miracles that have been approved by the church, and yet people still don't believe. And it's very interesting. And and it's kind of interesting, even, the, even how this show is um, evolving today, Father. So we have Father Doug Brown with us. He's our guest today on take two and you can ask questions we are live today so please call in you don't have to be catholic to call in it's it's interesting though father we've had a couple um calls come in that are off topic because they know when they have a priest on on the radio oh. they they want to <laughs> ask some questions so and that's fine i mean i'm sure father could a- answer every every one of the questions but you know we have other shows that specialize in in various you know apologetics and stuff like that and so so you may be better suited there how however we 're talking about the source and summit of our faith today, the most holy Eucharist and we 're talking about this very big word transubstantiation, that gets thrown a- thrown around a lot. people really don 't understand it, and also they they disregard the the um, the um, magnificence of it. And Father, that's what I wanted to maybe tap into um, in our discussion before we get to the calls. And folks, please dial in if you have something to share, something to say, or something to ask, Father Brown. Well, let's talk about it because we want this episode as something you can go back to and use and share with your your family members as you discuss um, the very importance of the Eucharist. The Eucharistic revival that our bishops have been asking us to get out there and to explain at the parish level, this is what they want us to do. They want us to talk about the Eucharist in a very deep and real way. And so it's important for us to do this together as the Take Two family always does. So call in 833-288-3986 and talk about the um the most holy eucharist. So father, getting back to that, let's let's talk a little bit more about you know, the arguments against what we believe, but also how best we can communicate it without us sounding like how do I say this father? I you know you and I talk off air all the time and we we go back and forth very fast and i I have to remember we're on live radio, so i gotta I gotta make sure that when people are listening they're kind of half listening sometimes they're they're working and they're listening, so I want to make sure they they hear me um, clearly you know we want to communicate this in a way where we don't look like we're a little bit you know, crazy to even believe this concept, right? You know, th- let's face it, some I've had people say to me, Debbie, do you really believe that? And I'm like, yes, I know, I know it to be true. How do you, how do we share that with our friends and family members, Father?
1: It, 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 it's difficult because so much of what we experience today in the world, we have to see to believe or, or, or they have to read somewhere, and, and that's where so many so much misinformation happens. Is because people are reading things on the internet which they take to be true,
3: right. and
1: because they can't see that the host and and the precious blood, the wine, has been changed into Jesus's body and blood, and his soul and divinity. They can't see it. They you know it tastes like bread, it looks like bread, it feels like bread, and when they when they can't discern it with any of their senses. Then it becomes easier not to believe it than to believe that this is Jesus, that this truly is Him. But I've seen entirely too many. You, you mentioned it, Debbie. Carlos Acuti, Carlo Acutis' uh, uh, his uh, Eucharistic miracles exhibit, yeah, you know, amazing. And, and we had it here at my parish for about two weeks. The different miracles. How could anybody not believe after seeing those? We may not be able to see it in each individual host but we know and we believe it. Mm-hmm. And this, this belief has endured for over 2,000 years, the length of time it has endured. And so we, 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 we need to communicate to our friends and our families, first, the reverence and respect that is due to the Holy Eucharist, that this is something that's very special, and something that we treat with the greatest you know, of, of dignity. We, we, we treat it as, as an object of great dignity. And we want to ensure that we don't um, abuse it or we don't take it for granted or um, are are just very casual about it. We want to make sure that we're very much on board by saying, this is Jesus. This is Jesus present among us. This is his body and blood, soul, and divinity given to us to help us get to heaven, Mm -hmm. to help our soul grow in sanctity. And, And that's as simply as we can put it. It may look like bread, it may taste like bread, but it it isn't. It is Jesus. We believe that. Uh, And and it, it, it requires an act of faith, really, Debbie. It requires that sense of saying, yes, I truly believe this is Jesus, no matter what my own senses may be telling me. I believe this is Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I kind of asked you the same question in in a little, a little, I slightly um, shifted the angle there, you know, just because I think we as Catholics, um, the, the laity, we stumble on how to defend the the, the teaching of the Eucharist. I think we, we get cornered and we don't really know how to express it. And, and you said it so beautifully. So I want to thank you for that, Father Brown. So if it's okay with you, let's get to the phones because we have a lot of calls and a lot of people have a different, um, you know, questions and different takes on this. So we'll go to Ray first uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, a first time call, a first time caller on our friends at Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the show.
4: Ah, uh, Yes. Uh, good afternoon to you.
0: Thank you, sir. Go right ahead. Father Brown and I are listening.
4: Okay. Yes.
1: Uh, Father Brown. Uh, thanks uh, for all the good uh, uh, information you've already provided on uh, transubstantiation. but I'd like you to dig a little deeper and that is uh, can you uh, from, from the New Testament particularly I guess uh, could you provide some uh, biblical basis? I know we have the dogma of the church and you know but uh, uh, would you, uh, be kind enough to provide some biblical basis for transubstantiation, you know, that uh, we go beyond the uh, teaching of the Church, which, of course, is authoritative in itself. But, uh, you know, where in the Bible does it uh, does it uh, provide the foundation for this dogma? Well, thanks, Ray, for that question. That's great. I And, and I always start with, you know, when somebody says, Show me, you know the the uh, uh, show me where it says this in sacred scripture. Where does it say this in the Bible? I go right to uh, the Gospel of Saint John, chapter six, the Bread of Life discourse, where Jesus talks about how this bread is a bread that you'll receive. You won't be hungry. You won't be thirsty. Well, he's not necessarily talking about this physical hunger, this physical thirst, but this spiritual hunger, this spiritual thirst that all of us have. We all have it, and that's why we see so many people trying to satisfy themselves with various vices, with various addictions. Instead, it is this. This is what we need. The Holy Eucharist is exactly what we need, because Jesus has promised to us, this is indeed His body. This is indeed His blood. This is not ordinary bread. This is not symbolic bread. This is Him. And so that's, that's the best place to start, I would say, would be Uh, St. John, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 6, we call that the Bread of Life Discourse, because Jesus speaks so beautifully about uh, His gift to us, His body and blood. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And John six, we would recommend that our families um, get together and read uh, that portion that, like you shared, Father, the Bread of Life discourse. I I completely agree with you. Um, Ray asked his question. He was a first time caller, and he's now he was listening, so he dropped off. And thank you, Ray. We appreciate the question. That was important to bring it right back to scripture. Thank you so very much, um, Father. You know, interest. It's so interesting. As you were speaking, I was thinking to myself: Could maybe th- one of the reasons why people reject the teaching of the Eucharist is because it's so supernatural, Father, that it's almost, you know, it's mind-blowing, right?
1: Oh, absolutely! I agree with you that it, it just it's because it seems contrary to what all of our senses are telling us. Then it, again, it it becomes hard to believe. It is supernatural. It is beyond, you know, what ordinary things happen in this world. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we struggle with that, and, and, and I acknowledge that. You know, we, we struggle with it. It's difficult to understand, but sometimes we have to be as simple as it was when we learned in second grade in our First Holy Communion, that we need to just say, this is it.
0: Yes, that's right. Okay, we'll, we'll hold it right there and we have room for you if you'd like to jump in on this conversation about transubstantiation, big word, but we need to understand it at 833-288-3986. Transubstantiation today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Jerry will be back tomorrow. We have a special guest today, Father Doug Brown from Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in the area, you know who Father Brown is. So call in at 833-288-3986. Before we go uh, back to the phones, Father, um, I just wanted to do a big shout out. Congratulations going out to another longtime member of the EWTN radio family, Trinity Catholic Radio in California. Carroll, Iowa, is uh, celebrating their 18th year with EWTN. Congratulations to Kelly Foley and the great team at KYMJ 103.1 FM in Carroll, Iowa, from your friends at EWTN. Wow. I, I, I got stuck on the 18 years, Father. Isn't that amazing? 18 years That's of reaching terrific. souls through Catholic radio. I know. Incredible, you know, Debbie.
1: So I'm 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 used to when I'm working with you on on a pledge drive. When Mm -hmm. something great happens like that, we ring the bell like crazy. And so I'm looking around my office for my bell so I can (laughs) ring it. But no bell.
0: we have the we have the virtual bell here at take two so yes everybody's got to think of a bell ringing but you know that is just incredible trinity catholic radio i love the name of the station wow amazing okay so we'll go back to the phones father um but i'm I just want to say a, another thank you to Ray in Annapolis, Maryland. Thank you, Ray, because one of the one of the things we wanted to cover was the bread of life discourse in Scripture. So very important that we always um, bring it right back to scripture. and um and Father, so we'll go back to the phone. So let's hear what Emma has to say, and Emma is in uh, Wisconsin on w s f i. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the show.
2: Hello. Um, I just had a question. Somebody had asked me something, too, and I, I didn't know how to answer. Is what happens uh, when the priest uh, is in, in sin at the moment when he's doing the, like, if he's in state of sin, or God forbid, mortal sin? Does it Dur- still...
0: You, you mean during the, during the consecration, during Mass, Emma?
2: Yes. Yeah, during Mass, okay. the consecration, does it still become the body of Christ? if the priest
1: is in a state of sin? Father? Yeah, that's a great question, Emma, and certainly it's one that we would hope we would never have to worry about, but, you know, you know reality, and you know the, um, the, the, the temptations that, that assail uh, all of us. They assail priests, too, and priests have struggled with many temptations, and there are times where a priest may be in mortal sin, where he is uh, consecrating the Holy Eucharist, Now, that does not impact that bread and that wine becoming the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. I want to repeat that. The state of the soul of the priest does not change what is happening on that altar. It still becomes the body and blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Because in that sense, you know, it works works through the priest, but it, 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 it in some ways... I don't know how to put this in a way that it just kind of like bypasses that sin. That sin doesn't is not a barrier. Now it's a barrier to that priest receiving graces from that himself, but it's not a barrier to the people receiving it. And it, and the the holy Eucharist still becomes Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Father, before we go back to Emma, let me just add something to that. I was always taught that if if a priest is in a state of serious sin, as he was. Um, uh, uh, you know, during the words of consecration, he still has an opportunity after, um, after Mass to go to confession to kind of, you know, clear all that up, you know, because God stands outside of time, right? Is that true, that the right. priest has a certain amount of time that he better, he better get to confession?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, partly because uh, the, the priest should get to confession as quickly as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, absolutely, definitely, he should do that. Uh, and God is out of time, and so in that sense, you know that, I, yeah, I get that, and that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But it's the idea, of course, that the people aren't penalized for the priest's own sin. Got it. Uh, and that uh, you know it's the same thing with with, with penance with with uh, confession. The same thing with that. That that if a priest is in mortal sin, people are still validly absolved even though he may be in sin. Christ works through the priest in both of those instances, and the sin doesn't impair the work of Christ. Mm-hmm.
0: Does that help, Emma?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that helps. but just didn't, um, didn't know why. Like, if it's mostly because of his title, like, he is a priest, and so therefore that is—because, I mean, I can't go up there and consecrate the host you know, and, and it doesn't become body of Christ. Only, only the priest can. So I'm just, I, you know, the question is going to be why. I know the next question from <laughs> the person who told me that. Um, so that, that was the only other thing.
1: Yeah, so, so Emma, we have to believe, you know, you have to kind of accept the foundational belief that in, in, in the role of the priest consecrating the bread and the wine, that it is Christ doing that action through the priest. Uh the priest stands there's, there's a Latin old Latin word that's used often. The priest stands in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. And so in that moment it is Christ who does the action. It is not necessarily the priest doing the action. And so the uh the 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 act, the action is still efficacious. Uh, even though that the, the minister, or the priest, may be in sin, so that's how that works. And because of my ordination, Christ works through me as a priest at those times.
2: Okay. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Yeah, they're hard. They're hard topics, Emma. They really are. And, and you know, like I said, there are some certain foundational beliefs that you have to accept in order to move on to the next step. And if somebody doesn't accept those foundational beliefs, then it's it's uh, it becomes a much more difficult conversation.
0: Well, thank you, Emma. We appreciate the call. Uh, great, great questions. We really needed to explore this. And Father, um, we've got. I just we just had a burst of comments come in um, that a lot of our Take Two family members are like, "Wow, this is really serious." Because if a priest is in mortal sin and he's receiving the Eucharist, that is really uh, problematic to his soul. Correct, Father.
1: Absolutely, it's a sacrilege. He's committing a sacrilege. That's why that priest needs to get to confession as quick as possible mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, you know, be absolved of that sin. And and you know, if people don't realize that, Listen, priests go to confession too, uh, and they should go frequently because there are many temptations which a priest is exposed to, and to be able to uh, confess those sins. That you know, of course, this we're talking about the Eucharist but the but the power of the sacrament of penance really strengthens the priest to be able to withstand temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if yeah, he he commits a sacrilege, absolutely. He needs to confess that sin when he can, when he does his his usual confession.
0: Mhm. Wasn't it John Paul too that went uh, every day, Father? I think it was.
1: That's what I had heard. Yeah, yeah. that's what I had heard. I mean, that's like <laughs> that's something. <laughs>
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. We're going to go back to the phones. Father, you have really started all these first time callers coming into Take Two. So you're growing the family. Thank you so much, Father Brown. (laughs)
2: How about that? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So we have another first time caller, Richard in Florida, listening on the EWTN app. Hello, Richard. Welcome to Take Two.
4: Hello. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, sir. Go, Go right ahead if you wanted to talk about the Eucharist.
4: Oh, okay. I have. I was raised Catholic and um, learned to play the pray the rosary at a young age and had many unique experiences where Jesus worked through me, uh, not only in my own personal strife, but with other people. But I was in a situation four years ago where I came out of a surgery that was a very tough surgery. I had a hip replaced, and I'm a big fella, so it was difficult for me in recovery. And I suffered a lot. And I offered it up to Christ, my suffering. And uh, a day, one day the priest from our church came over to uh, bless our house. We had just moved into, and he, and he consecrated the Eucharist in front of me. And I was in bed, and I had access lighting around the ceiling of my room. And when I closed my eyes and the priest was holding up the Eucharist, I saw through my eyelids the uh, ascension of Jesus uh, with his arms outstretched. I opened my eyes, and the host was there, and I closed him again, and I saw Jesus' face. And it was a distinct face, uh, a lo- oblong, square chin, long nose, distinctive beard, distinctive hair, and it just blew me away, and I never talked about it to anybody I've only talked about it to three people, four people since then. Uh, but I looked up the face, uh, the face of Christ, and it was exactly what the face of the shroud is, uh, with the matted hair, the matted beard, uh, to a T. It was exactly what I saw that day uh, while the priest was consecrating the Eucharist.
0: Wow. Wow, Richard, that's amazing. How, wh- what impact did that leave on you? I mean, you, you, you are telling the, the experience again to all of us, and it almost sounds like you're right there again.
4: Oh, yes, it's very emotional. I have difficulty talking about it because of how emotional it made me. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus wants us all to know he loves him. He loves us, and we have to spread the word to anybody that we can, uh, I've kept it to myself simply because I didn't want people to think I was crazy. Uh, but the people that I talked to, and the last person I spoke to about it was a Monsignor down here it, during the after confession, and he said, "I believe you, Richard. I believe you when you tell me this because it's it's the God honest truth, and it's 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 it helps me understand." The importance of the Eucharist. Maybe I took it for granted that that Jesus was there, but I didn't. I didn't understand it as much as I do now after I had that vision.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow, Richard, that's very powerful, and thank you so much for sharing that. It's. Uh, you know, there are so many. You're. You're. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Your what, oh, Father? Your, Go right ahead.
1: your story. Your story is, uh, you know, it's not an unusual story, Richard. Uh, so I don't. You shouldn't be fearful about sharing that story with others because people have experiences like that, and I think they're like you. They're like I don't know who to tell about this. You know, who can I mention this to? Yeah. But many people have had those types of experiences where Jesus comes to them. Through the host, through, through, through that's the closest he gets to us in this world, is through that host. And he he allowed you that vision, that image of himself. What a great gift to you, and what an opportunity for you to grow in holiness and to share that with others. Mm-hmm. Really powerful.
4: What mm-hmm. yeah. I've done, Father, is I've got pictures of, of his face from the shroud, and... I pray every morning to it and every night to it. Wow. That's great. Thank him.
1: That's that's wow. great. But but any, absolutely. Anyway, we, do, we do need to thank him. That, that,
4: that's my story. And, uh, Father, I'm not going to hold it against you that you're from Cleveland because <laughs> I'm originally from Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, come on, Richard.
1: I All liked right. you for a while there. <laughs>
0: I love it. Richard, thank you so much. Okay, Uh, don't be a stranger. Okay, call us again. We appreciate the call very, very much. You put a smile on Father's face. Father, before we get back to the phones, um, I wanted to share with our listeners the Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell and Matt Swaim. Monday through Friday morning, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Anna and Matt, start your day with news and interviews with a Catholic perspective. Okay, folks, we highlight these programs for your benefit. So please make sure you mark them and tune in to the Sunrise Morning Show. Okay, Father, we'll go back to the phones. We do have um, really just packed phone lines all on topic. Hi. You're all talking about the Eucharist. So that's great. Father, w- real quickly, I just wanted to put this in your in your uh, thought process. Um, I heard Mother Miriam one time uh, many years ago. She was on radio and she was talking about... Um, she was talking about, it, it's, you said it, Father, so beautifully. It's really quite simple. You know, God wants to be very intimate with us. And what a beautiful way um, for us to take him inside of us to have, you know, food for the journey, you know, and, and to be able to be so close to God, right? And, and Mother Miriam used to say this all the time. She said, it's really quite simple. God commanded the the bread to obey. And it did. It did. <laughs> and and yeah. isn't, isn't that beautiful?
1: It absolutely is beautiful, because we we believe our Lord can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God, right? Mm -hmm. It says that throughout sacred scripture. And and absolutely, in that case, if if Jesus wanted to command the bread to become his own body and blood, it happens.
0: That's right. That's right. And it really is that simple, but that magnificent and that incredible for us as, as a gift. So Joe in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Holy Spirit Radio is up next on Take Two. Welcome, Joe.
1: Thank you, thank you for taking my call. Um, I had uh, uh, I had a friend who, uh, well, he's a ex Catholic, and and he said to me, if this was real, everybody should be jumping up and down in the church, ready to receive Christ. And and I thought to myself after a while, how come I'm, I'm I tend to be a little bit gloomy or a little bit. Um, uh, the resident or whatever you you want to call it when I go receive communion and I just decided I'm gonna do it with a smile. But I don't know whether or not that's respectful or not. You know, I'm I'm like feeling maybe it's not not respectful enough. So I, I put out a big smile and I say Amen and um I don't know. is, is that okay? <laughs> so a so
2: good question. listen
1: Joe if yeah it's a great question. Joe, if you're coming forward and your heart is filled with love, and you're eager to receive our Lord present in that sacred host. Smiling, frowning—you know, it doesn't matter. If your soul's in a state of grace, and you're you're coming forward, and it just brings joy to your face, terrific. You know that I, I'm less concerned about somebody's countenance as I am about what their disposition is, is if they're properly prepared for Holy Communion. You sound like you've got it. you're properly prepared. You're preparing yourself. You've realized that you know i need to I need to appreciate this for the great gift that it is. so uh, I keep it up, Joe. I think it's great
0: mm-hmm.
1: Thank okay. you, thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you, Joe, for calling in today. We really, really appreciate it. okay, we're gonna go to Christine and Christine is in Chicago on w s f i Hi Christine. welcome
3: hi. I just wanted to share also about the Eucharist. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, where Saint Paul explains it, and he says, "Is not let not to take the Eucharist in vain, or without examining your conscience, or because he said the person who does this will be guilty of the body and blood." Of our Lord, he said, "Is not this the bread and the the one uh, consecration? Is this not the consecration? The is this not the is the wine we take? Is not the is not the blood of the Lord?" He says, "Therefore, let everybody examine his own conscience before doing this." So that's proof also that that's that's the bread and uh, the wine is con- is Jesus when it's. When it's consecrated, it seemed like they had this problem already in the early church, and even I read in history that some still didn't believe that it was uh, the uh, really Jesus. Others did, and I read that this has been a problem for centuries. You mm-hmm. know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Christine, it's very let's, perceptive. let's
1: hear, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Father. You respond to Christine.
1: It's, it's it's very perceptive, Christine, of you to recognize that you know this is something that was uh, has been a problem since the early days of the church, and so I want to I just want to re- repeat that that scripture uh, where that scripture is located again in case people want to pray with that. So mm-hmm. that's in one Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty six as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, but so, so I read also, even in the early church there was a lot of problems you know some some believed it was the the christ others others didn't you know and we got that same problem today mm-hmm.
1: No, you're exactly right, Christine, and this this scripture, we're we're so blessed to have St. Paul, who takes so many of the teachings of Jesus and then explains them for us. So somebody who knew Jesus, I mean, who knew Jesus in the sense of, you know, having that close interaction with those who were apostles, Mm -hmm. uh, and and had that personal experience with Jesus, he, he explains for us what Jesus was talking about. We're blessed to have that in in, in written form that we can refer back to mm-hmm. but that's a that's a great that that, that uh, first the first Corinthians chapter 11 is a great chapter also for the defense of the Eucharist
0: mm-hmm. Thank you, Christine. We appreciate the call. God bless you. Um, we're going to move to another first time caller. But wait, I do have a comment, a follow up comment on the on the comment I made about what I heard from Mother Miriam many years ago, where she said, you know, uh, uh, God commanded the the bread to obey and it did. And then we have a follow up that said, and that command is a manifestation of his covenant communion, his eternal promise. Wow. See, people are, this, this is why we, yeah. Father, this is why we have to have these discussions, so people can explore and go deeper and start to understand it better in a way that they can communicate it effectively to others. Um, can you ex- maybe, you know, encourage folks to—and, and, well, I'm a little bit—I have to tell you, Father, I, I, I would like people to go to Bible studies that they, that they can be sure that they are actually teaching correctly on the Eucharist. Any comments on that?
1: Absolutely, yes. We want to ensure that we're going to Bible studies that are teaching Catholic teaching, that are providing us with the truth of what the Eucharist is, that it is Jesus Christ, it is truly His real presence. And and there should be no excuse today for anybody not to be able to find a good Catholic Bible study, because we live in a world today where where there are so many resources available at our fingertips. If you have access to the Internet, uh, or if you can even find DVDs, You can have your own Bible study, even in your own home. You can get together with a couple of friends or family members. Bible study doesn't have to be a big group of people and somebody leading it. You can watch some of these programs. You know, Father Father Michael Smith is very popular, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people look at him and Ascension press some of the good things that they're doing. Uh, Even the shows on EWTN, Father Mitch does uh, uh, the scripture show that he offers every week. Mm -hmm. Those types of things can really help us to understand more clearly what Jesus is saying and that his words are true.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for saying that. And and, Anne, so so sorry we couldn't get a better connection there, but you can call us again. Please uh, do that. We're not going to get to Frank in uh, Park Ridge, Illinois, but Frank wants to um, just state, and I agree, Frank, I absolutely agree, that going to Mass regularly, Father, and praying daily really helps us to understand and deepen our relationship with the Eucharist. And I would so agree with that, uh, Father. And Frank, thank you so much. For that comment. You can always email us at take2 at ewtn.com. Jerry Usher will be back tomorrow for our show on why do you do good deeds? We want to thank the amazing father Doug Brown from Cleveland, Ohio. Father, thank you so very much.
1: A Lot of fun to be here. So really appreciate. Loved hearing from the from the, from the listener.
0: Thank you, Father. We hope to have you back on Take Two again. We're going to do a recorded broadcast with Father Brown in the future. Thanks to the show team, and thank you, the Take Two family. You guys are awesome. Until tomorrow, have a beautiful and blessed day. See you real soon.